One, two, three, four. Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! It's my screen time too! Hello and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms beat the heat with Hulu, Netflix, cable, YouTube. If you're looking to sponsor a podcast, call us. <laughs> we don't talk on the phone, though, so text. I'm Deborah, and I have three kids, an eight-year-old named Tony, and two five-year-old twins named Libby and Nate. And I'm Katie. I have one son, Jay. He will be three years old in two days. Oh, my gosh. I know. Our kids are adorable, aren't they, Deborah? Oof, they are. <laughs> um, well, you'll like this one. I sent my three kids to the same day camp this week and it's like a theater camp but the theme is star wars it's just at our local parks like parks and rec center and libby and nathan told me about this skit they did on the first day and nate was darth vader and libby was princess leia and they went on a father-daughter outing (laughs) (laughs) that is too cute (laughs) i think it's hilarious So how about Jay? Has he done anything cute? So this week's adorable child story has less to do with Jay and more to do with Gracie. Now, listeners, you probably don't know this because Gracie is not an actual child, but Gracie is my cat (laughs) who I got shortly after Deborah and I first met. So she's old. She's like 14 years old at this point. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And she has been sleeping in my bed for pretty much every night for those 14 years. Okay. Can I just stop you there and just say that you had Gracie, like you went through the whole process of quarantining her so that she could live with you in Hawaii. And I remember I suggested to you at that point that maybe you could find a home for her while you were living in Hawaii. And you said that she was just too important to you. (laughs) To be fair, I didn't actually have to quarantine her. I just had to put off the start date of my new job for three months. (laughs) Okay, so I am not a super crazy cat lady, but I've had this cat forever. She's always slept in my bed. It's very sweet. I'm used to it. We recently got a new kitten. Stormy. Uh, And Gracie is obviously very threatened by Stormy. And she has now decided that she would rather sleep in Jay's bed than in my bed. Ooh, burn. Yeah. And it's. How does Jay like that? For the most part, he likes it a lot. And it's very sweet. And I'm trying to keep that attitude about it. But part of my heart is just like, oh my gosh. Oh. So my adorable kid story is son-cat bonding, which is actually very sweet, but also a little bit sad. That's nice, though. At least she has another person to cuddle up with. Yeah, yeah. And we've been, I've, I in particular have been trying to be good about continuing to give Gracie attention, even though we have a new kitten, which is like a weird mirror of the process that is going to happen when we have an actual second child. Yeah, so you're crazy for getting a kitten right before you have a new baby. I have a secret to confess to you. It was not my idea. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) My son and husband may have just returned home from a little father-son outing one day with a kitten. (laughs) Wow. 
Yep. Speaking of families with pets, what are we talking about today? <laughs> yeah. Miles from Tomorrowland. And for listeners who are not familiar with the show, it's about Miles is, I guess, the main character. He's a boy in this nuclear family that's a mom, a dad, a sister, a brother, and either an emu or an ostrich named Merc. I went straight for ostrich, but like a weird robot ostrich, right? Who's like integral to every family mission. Yeah. So Miles from Tomorrowland premiered on Disney Junior in 2015. The third season is renamed Mission Force One, which may or may not mean that Miles from Tomorrowland didn't do so well. We watched it via Hulu. And it's just been a while since we've done a preschool show. Yeah. And I mean, the concept is kind of cute. It's like this family just zipping around exploring space. And they, every mini episode they have, they're like assigned a mission or they have some obstacle that they need to overcome. I was also happy to explore a Disney property this week because we are going to Disney World this weekend. So I've kind of had Disney on the brain. So is there a Tomorrowland part of Disney? I've never been to Disney, so I don't know what you call it. Ride? Okay, so Magic Kingdom is the main kids Disney park. Okay. And they're divided into different lands. And there's Frontierland and... Fantasyland and Adventureland and Tomorrowland. Got it. And Tomorrowland is like space themed, but at this point it's really outdated. So it's kind of like space themed what they thought space themed would have been in the 60s. Okay. So avoid Tomorrowland if you're on your way to Disney. Well, or like go there if you want somewhere with short lines for the concessions. Sure. That makes sense. So we watched from season one, episode one, Journey to the Frozen Planet and Attack of the Flicker Axe. Each uh, about 30-minute episode contains two little stories. Um, We also watched from season one, episode 20, A Growing Problem and the Tardigrade Escapade. And from season two, we watched episode 19, Chasing the Sperm Chaser and Loretta's Lost Bracelets. So we'll go through the episodes one by one and then talk about our general thoughts. So I kind of fell into the apple and onion trap of this one where my summaries ended up being super long. And I think that's just because this is a preschool show, it's super plot based. That's like all all it is. So Mm -hmm. forgive me, please. I will try to be as brief as possible. So the first segment of the first episode, Journey to the Frozen Planet, as Deborah mentioned, every episode starts with a family being given a mission by a two-headed alien commander from the Tomorrowland Transit Authority. And this time, they have to thaw out a lost rover on a frozen exoplanet. And prior to getting the mission, Miles and his sister Loretta had been arguing over the best way to assemble a bicycle model. Loretta wants to follow instructions, and Miles wants to wing it. So when they land on the ice planet, Loretta wants to use her heat rays instruction manual to thaw out the rover, but Miles wants to improvise using the rocket boosters on their pet ostrich, Merc, 
pet ostrich slash nanny. I don't know. So, <laughs> so Loretta walks off in a huff while Miles does the thawing out and she slides onto the banks of a river and eventually is like trapped on a little iceberg in the river. So her family rushes to rescue her and Miles ultimately saves her by throwing a zip line over the river. The lesson being that I guess sometimes you need to be creative and you can't just follow instructions slavishly. Um, so in the very first scene to emphasize the fact that they're living in the future, mm-hmm. Tomorrowland, Miles and Loretta are making a model bicycle and they like don't know what a bicycle is. <laughs> so have they always lived in space? There was no like exposition, no setup to the story in the pilot. It just kind of drops you right in, which wasn't problematic from our perspective because the plot was pretty easy to follow but there were Mm -hmm. a lot of those unanswered questions Mm -hmm. um it's interesting because the kids seem like pretty equal team members like they're not just dependents that are tagging along with their parents on their parents job no they're doing the work yeah i wonder kind of what the parents role is here because they they give a lot of control to their kids (laughs) Mm -hmm. so merc the ostrich doesn't need a helmet like a oxygen helmet right. when they're on this planet and is that because he's a robot i think he ostrich? must be a robot because in subsequent episodes he definitely i mean the the character that i most closely wanted to compare him to was nana from peter pan like it seemed like he was not just their pet he was also like the babysitter because the parents would often just let the kids go off and do things alone with the ostrich Mm -hmm. like things that I would normally think required adult supervision right yeah even though Merck doesn't seem like a particularly capable babysitter he just glows sometimes right and has (laughs) rocket boosters (laughs) right just one of many questionable choices made by Mr. and Mrs. Callisto in this series in my feeling all right should we move on to attack of the flickerax yes okay so the callistos are sent to a planet to repair a missing drone when all the power goes out leaving the planet in permanent darkness when their parents send them out to find the drone because of course uh, they give miles and loretta light poles to stick in the ground to mark their path but soon the kids realize that little bugs are eating the lights in fact, the flickerax, that's the bugs, they eat anything that glows, including their communication bands, isolating them from their parents. Uh, they eventually figure out that the flickerax stowed away on the drone and hatch a plot to lead them back to their home planet by following this little light-up rocket toy that Merck was playing with earlier in the episode. And that's pretty much it. So now the parents seem like they're less treating their kids as equal team members and more negligent because the episode opens with Miles like space skateboarding, like untethered from the spaceship, Mm -hmm. just totally by himself with Merc. And this is an instance where they're treating Merc more like a pet because they're playing with this toy. So they're playing like rocket fetch Mm -hmm. and he's just freewheeling it in space i mean there's free-range parenting and then there's negligence 
Haven't you seen? I know. Haven't they seen Gravity? Remember Gravity? <laughs> I know. Where the astronaut just floats off. <laughs> oh, that was so sad. And I wouldn't want that to happen to my, what do you think, eight-year-old? Yeah, he's pretty young. I thought it was interesting just as a thought challenge because the Flickeracks are from another planet and they're an invasive species that's going to destroy this other planet was really interesting to me because I also this week just listened to an NPR story about how um, invasive species of bugs arrive in like ports authority on like pallets of bananas or plantains and it's a big problem um and then i was thinking like you know how like elon musk and stephen hawking wanted to find somewhere else for humans to live because we're destroying our own planet Mm -hmm. and i was like wow wherever humans end up if that's ever possible we're gonna be the shittiest invasive species Oh my gosh, you're right. Interplanetary invasive species. Like, what a bum deal for whatever planet gets humans down the line. We are the zebra mussels. That's kind of a sad thought. It brought me down. Uh, So, do you want to take us through season one, episode 20? Yes, a growing problem. So this was the first time that we saw the Callistos on land. And the dad is showing Miles his quote-unquote, bio collection. Well, I just thought that was on the spaceship. Oh, was it on the spaceship? Oh, he had a bio... Oh. I just assumed that for long-term space travel, you'd have to have a garden of some sort. Oh, I suppose. Oh, okay. So, okay. I don't... And also, I would call it a garden. Yeah. Not a bio collection. But then again, Um, it wasn't like a useful collection of plants. It was like, look at all these weird things. Yeah, including um, like a moonflower that Ma Callisto really enjoyed. Ma and that Callisto. The, <laughs> that the dad was like trying to cultivate for her. Um, so they got the mission from the two-headed admiral and they needed to save Narcissa, which is a planet that was being overgrown by space moss, another invasive species. So... Dad and his brother, Uncle Joe, mm-hmm. have this mech, so, mech suit that they could use to corral the space moss and stop it from overtaking the planet Narcissa. Um, but there's a bunch of complications. Like, they take out the cockpit, and then they need somebody inside the suit. But since they've taken out the cockpit, then Miles is the only one small enough to navigate the suit manually. Miles, we need your deaf child hands to to navigate this extremely perilous situation. Yeah, and then when he finally gets to like the source, like the mother root of the plant that all he, it seems like all he has to do is pull out this root and then all the space boss will be gone. That's when he chooses to ask does the moss have a weakness? <laughs> not before he gets in the suit, not before they land on Narcissa, but just at the crucial moment. And it turns out space moss doesn't like heat. So he like heats it up with the boosters from his suit. And then he's able to pull it out. And Narcissa is saved and moonflowers bloom everywhere. Again, with the lesson about the invasive species, I liked that again in this one. 
Mm-hmm. It was more clearly yeah. stated. So what did so what did you think about this first part of the episode? Okay, so they're teaming up with Uncle Joe, who is a space guardian, the only other human we've seen, which just reinforces the idea that the Callistos are maybe the only humans in the galaxy. What does that mean for the future of our species? It's just one family. Just one family. And the parents are not very protective of their children. No, I guess they've just accepted that humans are going extinct and (laughs) it's not their business to fix it, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I also just side note, really liked the phrase that they use when they're disappointed about something, which is, aw, craters. It reminded me of... um... Tony used to watch Spongebob Squarepants when he was about four or five, Mm -hmm. and he he would always say, oh, barnacles, (laughs) which he picked up from that show. So the second half of this episode was the tardigrade escapade, and the family gets a call from Professor Rubicon, and he has a mission for them. He's been doing research on tardigrade which is normally a microscopic organism, but one of the tardigrade got accidentally enlarged via a matter sizer, which is like a honey I shrunk the kids, honey I blew up the kids type of shrinker. Right. Or enlarger. And the tardigrade, the giant tardigrade escaped into space and the Callistos have to find it, bring it back to the lab and they find the tardigrade. It looks like a, big giant manatee kind of just floating in space and it's gone into this like coma from being in space so my miles <laughs> has to offers to like pull the tardigrade behind the ship because it won't fit on the ship and then they get together get caught on a photon super highway <laughs> and then the family sends Merc out to deal with the situation and he uses the matter sizer on himself, and then he saves the day, and they're able to return the tardigrade, and everybody gets resized. Right. <laughs> and there was a family of, like, amoebas. Mm-hmm. My kids read this graphic novel series called Squish. Mm-hmm. That little amoeba looked a lot like Squish, and I'm not sure if they are Related one and the same, or if there's just, like, a really big resemblance. <laughs> But they were kind of a funny little family. Yeah, that was the first glimpse that we really got of society outside of the Callisto family. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that I had a ton of extra thoughts about this episode. It was, yeah, just another, like, let's send Miles to do the most perilous task. Yeah, why are the kids always doing the dangerous stuff is one of my notes. And then I also noticed this was the episode where I noticed all those interjections that were like, space infused like they say space absolutely instead of absolutely and astro like astro definitely i'm not sure if that one is really a real one i might have made that one (laughs) i astro definitely like it (laughs) all right so then we jumped a ways to season two episode 19 okay so chasing the storm chaser miles and loretta are assigned to interview someone for a school project because they're A, in the same class, which is weird, because Loretta is obviously the older sister, and B, I guess, given the same assignment because they're siblings? Maybe they're twins. Hmm, that never occurred to me. I don't know why I assumed Loretta was the older one. 
it seems like a thing they would have brought up by now, but or maybe they're homeschooled and so they're just doing the same assignments because it's convenient for the parents who don't do any parenting. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> Though that doesn't excuse it in my mind. <laughs> All right, so they have this dual assignment. The whys we will put aside for now. So their parents put them in touch with Dr. Zephyr Skye, who is a meteorologist and storm chaser. So the Callisto parents send their kids on a solo space flight, because apparently there's no legal driving age in space, to meet up with Dr. Skye on the latest planet where she's tracking the storm of the millennium. I, I don't know if you can tell from my tone that I was really bothered by the parenting. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so they're doing some. They're off doing something else while they send their kids into this this dangerous situation. Uh, but whatever it is, I'm sure it's equally important. So when they meet Dr. Sky, uh, she tells the kids that the number one rule of storm chasing is to go in ready before they get a distress call from a surfer named Tiki Torch who is stuck on the planet's foaming green sea during the storm. So Dr. Sky leaves the kids on her ship while she tries to rescue Tiki, but her jet ski is immediately disabled by the rising sea foam, leaving, of course, Miles and Loretta to rescue both adults by bungeeing down from the ship into the roaring stormy sea to grab them and pull them out. Yeah, the professor says the first rule of storm chasing is go in ready. But then she Which doesn't go in ready. I know. And I thought that was advice they could have used back in the um, Space Moss episode. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. was just, yeah. I mean, the worst up to this point of negligent parenting. And it's like sending your kids into a horrible hurricane and just being like, see ya, we gotta run to the post office. Yeah, I can't remember if I've talked before on the podcast about there's this book called The Uses of Enchantment, and it's about, it's like an analysis of like fables and children's literature. And like, I've also read in information about like writing books for kids that it's best if the focus is just on the kids and the parents are removed because it's supposed to be like a child reading this. The child doesn't doesn't care about what like the character's parents are doing. You're right. Because it's supposed to be like, you know, they're using their imagination. It's right. supposed to be child focused. But this was like kind of taking it to an extreme, <laughs> I think. Um, and for sure, watching as a parent, it's like hard to get past it. Yeah. That was a major hurdle for me, but I definitely have, I have not read the book, but I have heard all that research about fairy tales and how it teaches mm -hmm. kids about independence and by putting them in these perilous situations that seem far beyond their years. And also in the context of why so many kids in children's programming are orphans. Right, 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 right. Uh, to me, it would have worked better maybe if Miles and um, Loretta. Right. Yeah, if they had been orphans, like if they had, if the if the parents weren't there at all, and if they were on, just 
receiving these space missions and it was like they were special kids or something, I think I would have liked it better. And I have no research with which to back this up, but I did see a screenshot from the upcoming third season, or maybe it's currently airing. I don't know. Like we said, we watched it on Hulu, so we might be behind. But it looks like this new Mission Force One is Mm -hmm. more like that. It's like just Miles and Loretta and their schoolmates going off on missions. So maybe they've just cut the parents out completely. Okay. Uh, All right. So really quickly, second segment, Loretta's lost bracelets. So Loretta has to miss a field trip to an uncharted planet that no one has ever explored because she has a sprained ankle. So she lends her bracelets to Miles and her bracelets is like this device that takes pictures and collects ambient data. And she's really excited to get all this information about this new planet because, again, the kids are going there on a field trip. And no one has ever been there before. <laughs> right. Go in ready. Yeah. So when they get to the planet, their teacher splits the kids up into two groups. And one group goes with the teacher. And the other group goes off to explore with Merck the mechanical ostrich as their chaperone, I guess. So, of course, Miles loses the bracelets. And he and his friends have to chase it all over the planet. It makes for some a fun chase sequence as they're running along and they keep losing it in a series of amusing ways. Mm-hmm. And eventually, Miles heroically jumps into quicksand with Merck to get the bracelets back. And I'm just wondering what the parental approval sheet looked like for this field trip. They definitely signed away all liability, right? Well, yeah, they'd have to. There was no way of knowing what would happen. Right. What did you think of this episode? Um, I loved that include it included quicksand, which is my favorite like like um scary thing yeah. from like the Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, is the main quicksand thing. Like I had serious fears about quicksand when I was a kid. Like I thought I would definitely be encountering quicksand more than I ever have in my adult life. Did you ever see the movie The NeverEnding Story? Yes. Oh my gosh, yeah. that was like my first traumatic experience with like a character death on screen. Is mm. when is it Artax? I think the horse is named Artax. He gets sucked into quicksand and it's just oh, it was traumatic. I think that was so brutal that I've mostly blacked out that memory. <laughs> um, I actually saw real live quick quicksand not live because it's not living but really where it's in um either jasper national park or banff national park in alberta canada oh wow real quicksand but it's like fenced off tons of signs saying quicksand like don't climb the fence (laughs) okay so you didn't like jump in and have to like reach for a vine to pull yourself out at any point i Really wanted to throw a stick in, but Jeremy wouldn't let me. Oh. <laughs> just wanted to see what happened. He's the Loretta to your miles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you have any other thoughts about this half episode? Just that I think a pet ostrich seems kind of great. <laughs> Especially one that can, like, telescope his neck to be longer and mm-hmm. like I said, light up and one that has rocket boosters. I mean, 
I don't want to undersell Merc. He seems like a pretty cool pet slash nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked a little bit about Tomorrowland at Disney. Do you think that this show was all an effort to rebrand Tomorrowland? I have some thoughts. Okay. And I will try not to get too in the weeds because I am a <laughs> Disney enthusiast, but not someone with encyclopedic knowledge about Disney. Okay. Um, so they went through this phase a few years ago, and I don't remember when the movie came out, but there was a Tomorrowland movie with George Clooney. Do you remember this? Oh, I never saw it. Yeah, it kind of came and went fairly quickly, but I feel like it was around the same time that Miles from Tomorrowland appe- uh, premiered, and that they were obviously trying to do something that would help revitalize this area of the park that is so kind of blah, because mm-hmm. they can't keep it current, and it doesn't really have any characters associated with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it seemed like that was obviously what they were doing. And as I was watching Miles from Tomorrowland, I kept thinking that a lot of the little segments would make really great rides. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, think definitely. about it, like piloting an astromech or like riding Miles's hoverboard or mm-hmm. exploring a new planet in an irresponsible field trip. Yeah. So maybe it's crass, but because I enjoy the Disney parks, I am always in favor of them doing things to make them cooler. Mm -hmm. But I don't think either of those efforts, either the Tomorrowland movie or this series, have been successful enough to justify spending any money for them on the parks so far. Okay. Yeah, I didn't find Miles and his family to be as appealing of characters. Like, they were fine, but they were so blah, (laughs) boring, compared to, like, other Disney shows that we've watched, like Elena of Avalor. Oh, yeah. And, like, all the movie characters are way more merchandisable, I think, than Miles from Tomorrowland. Yeah, although if they sold one of those, like, squishy amoeba guys, I would maybe buy it. (laughs) So we've talked about the the Callisto's parenting style, or lack thereof. (laughs) Do you have anything else to add? I think I've, I've ranted enough about it. I'm just, like you said, sometimes it's really hard to watch these things as a parent. Uh, with your like grown-up eyeballs because it just seems so irresponsible (laughs) and it's again and again I mean I would forgive like one time they sent Miles to do something and he was in grave mortal danger but they do it over and over again yeah I think it was the first episode where he volunteered for something and they were like oh no 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 Miles you're a child but They never did that after that. Yeah, I guess he proved himself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Does this make me a helicopter parent that I'm uncomfortable with this? I think we're all helicopter parents for the most part. Oh, that's sad. I'm okay with it. (laughs) I just read a really interesting, I'm going to cut this out of the podcast, a really interesting article from The Cut about the disappearing middle child. And how, because so many families are opting to have only one or two kids... Uh, that like the middle child is a dying breed and it was all about the important contributions that middle children have made to the world and how it's 
exactly. Oh, because nobody pays them enough attention, yeah. so they overcompensate yeah. for it. <laughs> that because they're the, uh, they're always stuck between two siblings. They're always good uh, negotiators and like moderators, so they tend to fight injustice. Apparently, Abraham Lincoln was a middle child. Oh no! So now we're just going to be a generation or a country of bosses yeah. and babies. Yeah, bosses and babies. <laughs> That's how it's going to be. <laughs> leave it in. Leave it in. Okay. <laughs> uh, in that case, I will link to this article on our Facebook page because I don't remember who wrote it. But again, it was in the cut. By the time you hear this. It will be old, but it was still very interesting, so I recommend it. Um, so I have like zero thoughts about the animation style. It was just very CG, spacey, but yeah. nothing unique about it. I didn't think. Agreed. It was very much in the vein, despite the fact that it was a fantastical sci-fi series, but it was in the vein of most of those Disney, Nick Jr. Uh, preschool shows that we've watched, where the animation is fairly grounded in realism as far as the motions that people can make Mm -hmm. the voice cast on the other hand will be fun to talk about so i recognized olivia munn is the voice of the mom i'm so impressed because i didn't recognize it i had to look it up but then i was like awesome (laughs) and then i thought that professor rubicon sounded familiar turns out it's bill nye Oh, that's the awesome. science guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Dr. Concilium, he was in which episode? The third episode that we watched that we watched. And that was voiced by LeVar Burton. Oh. Yeah, and Neil deGrasse Tyson is listed on IMDB as a narrator for like the season three. Okay. So that's some space bona fides for Miles from Tomorrowland. Yeah, definitely. The only other two people I noted were Gray Delisle. She was in Bolt. Oh. Which, um, she's like a voice actress. We talked about her a little bit, I think, when we watched Bolt. Was she, she just has like. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Because she was awesome um, in Bolt. Yeah, and she's got a super impressive list of shows and movies that she's done on IMDb. Um, and then Diedrich Bader, he played the admirals, like oh, okay. the two-headed admiral, and he was on the Drew Carey show, like the guy with curly hair. Yeah. So he was pretty good. That's interesting. You did a lot more work on the voice cast than I did. I was just like, oh, Olivia Munn, I like her. What has she been up to lately? Not <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, I really like her as an actress, too. So did you compare it to any adult movies or TV shows? A little bit The Martian. Have you seen that? With Okay. Yes. Uh, Sorry, um... I'm nodding my head. I don't know why you can't hear that. Yes, I saw and enjoyed The Martian starring Matt Damon. <laughs> so not the parts where Matt Damon is on Mars, which is the bulk of the movie, but like the part where it shows the crew on the spaceship that leaves him one on mars and then returns to go save him from a fate on mars um but because it was like they were on this improbable mission they were all kind of funny Uh and like the the banter between them was fun 
um, to listen to. It reminded me a little bit of that. They had a nice sort of easy camaraderie, which was nice to see because so many movies set in outer space dwell on the fact that like if you were traveling through space for an extended period of time with the same people you would grow to hate one another (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah I like that comparison um how about you I think the most obvious comparison was lost in space uh which Netflix I think Netflix yeah just rebooted into a new series which I haven't watched but I did watch the uh 90s reboot movie starring Matt LeBlanc which was pretty terrible wow (laughs) I used to watch that like when I was a kid and if I was homesick from school because it was old I mean it was or maybe it was on Nick at Night oh gosh I haven't thought about Lost in in Space forever (laughs) um by I mean Maybe the new Netflix show is worth checking out. I don't know. The only other movie that I thought this compared to was, have you ever watched the documentary Surfwise? No. I think it came out like 10 years ago, maybe. And it's about the Paskowitz family. And so the dad and the mom lived with their, like a passel of kids. Like I want to say nine kids in an RV on the coast in California and they the dad was like had been a doctor but kind of was a tune in drop out kind of guy and they just surfed and they were really bad parents <laughs> like this movie was interviewed like the dad who thought he had given his kids this great childhood and then it interviewed some of the kids and they were like yeah we lived in a van <laughs> like 10 people it I went to therapy for a long time you know like it was two dramatically different tales of what this family had been through but it reminded me a little bit of the Callisto parents because they're just so negligent yeah well I think if you're going to live with your children in a confined space two is maybe doable but nine it was a lot of kids I it's been a long time I might not have that number right but it was a lot but probably if you interviewed the Callisto parents, they'd be like, yeah, we get to travel all over the galaxy. We have all these adventures. And then when Miles is grown up, he's going to be like, I can't believe my parents let me do that. He's going to have like the world's most boring sp- job because he's so terrified. He's like, I've used up all my lives. I just need to be a data I- entry clerk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Did you cast the gritty HBO reboot? I wish I knew more child actors. We always run into this. Ugh. The best I could come up with, and I've cast them before, were those twins from Blackish. Uh-huh. I think they would be really cute as the brother and sister. Now they're a little older, so they would be able to go on these adventures. Um, I really need to brush up on my child actors, though. Yeah. We don't see, I guess we don't see enough, like, live-action movies pitched to children lately. Am I just making that up, or have there actually been fewer? I can't think of any, but it's also maybe not what I would be looking for if I were looking for a movie. Right, maybe our kids are just Um, still a little young. There was that movie with Emily Blunt and the guy from The Office, Jim from The Office, yeah, directed it but that's not a kids movie <laughs> but it does have kids in it 
Yeah, maybe those kids? Yeah. I don't know. I never saw the movie <laughs> because I'm a chicken and scary movies scare me, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely had the same problem with thinking about child actors. Did you cast the grown-ups at all? Well, I think Olivia Munn would be great. Yeah. She's really good. That's all I got. Yeah. I just got stuck on the kids. This one was a hard one. I probably went too old because, again, I didn't know enough kid actors. So I thought the uh, boy from Spider-Man, Tom Holland, okay, would make a convincing Miles. Maybe because I'm already used to seeing him put himself in peril. Yeah. Um, and then I would like to see someone like a little bit more acidic for his sister. So I know she's too old now, and I'm embarrassed because I don't even really remember her name. But is it Kat Denning? She was on that show, Two Broke Girls, which I never watched. Oh, yes. But then yes, yes. she was also like the sassy research assistant in the Thor movies. Yeah, I know which actress. I think that's her name. But I think the key, the real key, is finding the right actors for the parents. And I know I've mentioned this movie on the podcast before, and I'm pretty sure you said you haven't seen it. And at the time, I should have said, you should see this movie only for the parents alone, because they are so great. And that is easy A. Okay, I has, still have not seen it, so I'll put it on my list. Okay, so these parents are played <laughs> by Patricia Clarkson and Stanley Tucci. And Patricia Clarkson is like this wild, wacky, wildly inappropriate in like sharing stories about her sexual past with her teenage daughter, but like obviously very loving mom. And then like Stanley Tucci is just hilarious. (laughs) So I think they would be great for the Callistos because they would maybe add some heart and make what they're doing to their children seem a little less straight up exploitative yeah that sounds good all right well the, i like it the real lesson is that deborah should watch easy a just because <laughs> these, these parents are like aspirational do you think it was better when we were kids i mean strangely i kind of feel like probably about the same as far as quality with the i show. really liked the jetsons yeah I think the Jetsons was better than this, although if we watched it again, we'd probably be horrified by how, like, sexist it is. Yeah. But we also had, like, Mork and Mindy, Lost in Space, as you mentioned before. <laughs> Which were, <laughs> to be fair, were not that old. Both Mork and Mindy and Lost in Space were in reruns when we were kids. <laughs> On Nick at Night. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and probably the Jetsons, too. I don't actually know when the Jetsons was made. I have no idea. Yeah, I think those all must have been like in syndication, second run shows for yeah. us. But yeah, the, to me, there was nothing particularly uh, new or innovative about Miles from Tomorrowland. So would you ever watch it alone, voluntarily? No, no, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, no, I would never watch it again. Um, so 10 seconds on whether it's good for our kids. I think it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine when compared to any other similarly formatted preschool show. Yeah, I think it's totally fine. Damning with faint praise. So ratings? I'm going to go with two and a half stars. It was fine, but not exceptional. Yeah, 
I would give it three just for the same reason. Just totally average, middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Perfectly pleasant if, like, you're forced to watch something like this, but never anything that I would seek out. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook to continue the conversation at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. And that's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. You can tweet us with show or movie suggestions or general comments at at myscreentime2. Or you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the